yeah. and don't forget my magic passport to the Netherlands. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Sitting here with Tom Rose, we just had a fantastic conversation about all the things. Holy cow. Uh, um, how you started Comedy Central, how you were the Dutch David Letterman, how you're afraid of the big building over at Universal and the reasons why. I didn't why. say I was afraid of Oh, it. I thought it was a big scary Not building. me. I witnessed I the fear big... of others. Oh, I see. I okay. witnessed the fear of others. <laughs> you kidding? Uh, and all the normal stuff that we usually do. Mrs. Ryan does the news. We do TBT videos. And it's Lit Week here in Los Angeles. Tune in tonight, and we will see you out there. Read a book. Weekend. Oh, man. I'm just I... making sure. <laughs> I have a tendency to misspell names, and I happen to know that he spent some time overseas. I don't know what the whole story is. We're going to find out when he gets here. I'm excited. <laughs> I have a mess. Sometimes my eyes don't this, work, Tom. No, this is good. This is good. Let's, this today is a bit of an experimental show, so let's, uh, let's talk about that. The guest and everything else is great. However, Mrs. Ryan, uh, we have found out in the past that when you do things out of the house meetings, whatever, um, uh, before the show, sometimes uh, the show can be a little bit funny. But you have been growing and strengthening so much that we are going to try that today because you had a, a big meeting. You, I haven't seen you at all today. You've been out uh, all morning. Mm-hmm. It went longer than either of us planned. I'm uh, that's a good thing. Which is great. Um, it was a business meeting, right? It was a business meeting with an uh, old former colleague of mine. Uh, my math isn't working great, but I'm working really hard to keep my thoughts together. So fingers crossed. All right. As well. Um, well, I'll, we'll we'll get through this. It's no big deal. Okay. Uh, welcome back. Welcome back Thanks. to you. Welcome back to our friend at home. Uh, tonight is Wednesday, February twenty sixth, twenty twenty. Oh my goodness. My name is Jay Ryan. This is Nicole Ryan. We're the Ryans. Welcome back to the old late night playset. Our guest this evening. Uh, let's see. I think I probably remember him from Comedy Central. And then I'm thinking some people may know him as the Dutch David Letterman. Uh, we're going to talk to him in a few minutes when he gets in here. Tom Rhodes is here. And uh, Richard Chasler's in the house as well. So we've got a full boat tonight. Yay. Uh, Mrs. Ryan, there's a bunch of stuff. No surprise. It's Lit Week in L.A. A lot of Porsche stuff going on. So there's a couple of videos we have to do. Okay. We've got an East Coast feed. Uh, we have a little bit of viewer mail, which is kind of fun. Package arrived in the, uh, hey. in the mail yesterday. And uh, with the, we, <laughs> it's Wednesday, but we're going to do TBT because we're not here tomorrow uh, and then you'll have a choice between two of those so w- what 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 would you like to do first from this magical card east coast feed i would like please all right they're, they're funny yesterday it's so funny. those guys were funny yesterday so right. funny guys uh and brooke i hope you're feeling better i think she, she could be hung over today let's see uh let's see check in with danbury chive the east coast feed and uh see where they are today roll it out well, east coast feed tell jake Coast feed. Look, it's Brooke, Coraline, the Kazman, and Mike Kaz. You know who we are today? Tell Jane Nicole where we are. In We're in Brooklyn, that's right. Everybody watching. Right, we're watching Jurassic Tour in Brooklyn. You guys want to see? We're at the front row. Oh my gosh, guys, you ready? Watch this. And this is where they play basketball and what else, remember? Hockey. Good job, kid, that's right. There we go, hold that popcorn. It's $15 worth of popcorn, you're gonna lose it. That's it, we're just here watching Jurassic World. Coraline, you having fun? Hey, tell Jay what kind of dinosaurs you saw. What kind? I saw a stegosaurus and Joey Barnett. 
Stegosaurus you got in I missed there's so many. Were there any raptors? Yeah. How many? Three. Three, huh? Pretty cool, huh? Alright, say goodbye to Jay Nicole, everybody. Bye, Jay Nicole. See you later. Oh yeah. All right, so when I was a kid, it was Ice Capades or like Herbie on Ice or one of those, and uh, it sounded like Jurassic Tour. Is that what you heard? That's what I heard. That's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. I like it. I think that's the newest one. <laughs> what's what's that you say? <laughs> that's the newest one? I believe so. I'm not going to say anything. When I was a kid, it was uh, they would bring the circus to town. It was the Ice Capades. There was all those traveling shows, and, I, and it, it didn't even occur to me that they still do them. I'm just not a kid. You know, when you say that's right. the new one, like, of course, people know about this. People with children and everything. I just, it's new to me. All right. I'm even more behind. I thought I was thinking the movie. So I'm going to rescind everything I just said. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, all right. I like it. All right, well, let's open up the old viewer mail. Okay. There's the card for it. Holy crap. And I'll let you open it. I'm going to put it this way on the desk <laughs> so that uh, other people can see where it's from. This arrived oh, yesterday. Cool. I have not opened it up and saw the contents. I saw that it was from him and that uh, this is probably some giftage. All right. This is Ryan, perhaps. We will look. We will look. Hi, Dwight. <gasps> oh, my. If you recognize that sticker, of course, Carpe Gear is uh, Dwight Knowlton. believe that's for you. <gasps> what does it say? Shifts and grins. <laughs> that's great. Awesome. Shits and giggles, shifts and grins. Oh, that's great. Funny. That's lovely. There's a hat. Nice. Oh, with the Dwight's comp company. Competition motor, sure. And another okay. shirt for you. Lovely. Very cool. Porsche nut. You're a Very Porsche nut. Very cool. <laughs> Our guest asked before, having never met us before, he said, do you have a Porsche? Said, we do, as a matter of fact. That's awesome. All right. Thanks, Good Dwight. Good job, Mrs. Good job. And thank you, Dwight, for all that stuff. Um, uh, highly recommend going to carpegear.com, picking up some of that stuff. I'm sure okay. everything you just saw here is available there. Yeah. Awesome. Got that out of the way. All right, Mrs. Ryan, TBT. We're going to go back to uh, – it's Lit Week, as we mentioned before, here in Los Angeles. And we're going to go back to the uh, uh, Lit Week from last year or the year before. Either way, we've got either uh, the trip up to Breakfast Club okay. or we've got uh, Keep in Time, which was the – the, the professor Ooh. run video either way they were both uh uh from the same week probably the same people etc so you choose i want to say keep in time one keep in I time i remember liking it a lot oh yeah we do it's amazing yeah. uh not because of my video because of the time we had um enjoy it's a little bit longer so enjoy cool <laughs> TBT rolls i out. love it Traffic. There was no thinking, just oh. reacting. Where right. was this, you guys? The five, all five lanes are closed on yeah. Highway 5. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Is it mudslide or?
seem to get Derek's arrival every time. Let's rep. It's not a competition. But but you're gonna try and win, right? Yeah, right. Follow. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> That's Klaus, everybody. We just met him. He came in from Vegas for this. So last year everybody got one, but nobody looked at it. Everybody took a ride on Decker Canyon. Continue to Mulholland. It's basically like two small routes. We're going up, going back down to the going south, then going back up. Saturday morning, the professor run. Everyone is about to roll out. Safe drive, professor. Thank you. To you. You get an A for the semester, by the way. Nice. Okay, now. <laughs> All right, we got it now. Professor Run, top of Payuma. Pee break. Stunt Road. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good selfie. <laughs> Just wanted to make sure we got it all. Get it.
Yeah, I think so. Sheldon's leaving, so we want to get it in. We're here at Lit. Lit. After the professor yeah. run. It was pretty crazy. Hi, Mrs. Ryan. Ah. We love LA. Yep. It was a fun day, mister. Everybody awake? <laughs> <laughs> we were all intently watching that, like it was an actual little short film. I do love that video, but it is long, but it's so cute. Oh, it's good stuff. I keep forgetting we've got a guest cam over there. There's Tom. <laughs> Hi, Tom. <laughs> all right. Uh, with that, Mrs. Ryan, it's time to ask the question that's on everyone's mind. we got everything else done, right? I believe so. All right. Ooh, what's going on, Mrs. Ryan? Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-
talk probably a little bit more. Yeah, I wanted to talk to him, about it, so I'm not going to say so much. Everyone else found saying. Mark Maron through that podcast, and I, I kind of remember uh, – I can't remember the name of the show now, but it was uh, Short Attention Span Theater. It was Short Attention Span is, – is that correct? Yeah. The, the comedy guys are saying yes. That's so good. So we'll see more of him. Great. I like his voice. I agree. Hey, and that's <laughs> – you are sneaking it up on me lately. And that's been What's Going On, Mrs. Ryan. The worst. I'm so sorry. No, I love it. Keep me on my toes. It's so great. It's not like I have anything to do over here. I love it. Mrs. Ryan, it's time to do that thing. We're going to take a break. We're going to get our guest Tom Rhodes in here. Cool. You good? Yeah. Yeah, get it all done, right? Yeah. Just in the nick of time. <laughs> going to take a quick break. Uh, Tom Rhodes will be in here. We're going to talk about Comedy Central. We're going to talk about how he was the Dutch David Letterman and everything else from his comedy career in uh, just a few minutes. Right in that chair. Awesome. Late night play set. Be back after this. Shut up, mister. Howdy, Mr. and Mrs. Ryan. This is Paul Kennel calling from Auto Kramer's. Getting ready for the 11th annual open house, our big annual open house in celebration of the Porsche Lit Show weekend that's been going on for almost 40 years. We are busting at the seams. We have so many cool new toys uh, that have just arrived in the last few days. So we are even sticking stuff in our overflow lot too. We've got uh, someone you know, new GT2 waiting for pickup, 968's going. There's my daily driver. There's Jennifer's bug, and we are sticking stuff in our neighbor's garage. So hopefully we'll see you and everyone else on Friday coming up the 28th all day long. We got pizza and fun and hangout. Love you guys. <laughs> I feel like uh, that should have been on the night before I left it for sure. Next time. Uh, Joan Osborne or one of those? Was it Joan Osborne? Is that what you just did? No, that was Cheryl Crow. But, oh, Cheryl Crow. Uh, I saw Joan Osborne. I thought she was going to be the next Janis Joplin, and then she turned out to be a one hit. Wasn't person. that a shame? I thought the same. I saw her thing. in concert. Like, what three if or God four was times. one of us? Right? Yeah. Oh, Scott Joplin. All right. Well, with that, we are sitting here with Tom Rhodes. <laughs> Thank you, Richard. Let's confuse Chaplin. the de- guest right before you <laughs> turn mean. the cameras on. Focus. <laughs> we are sitting here with Tom Rhodes. Hello, Thanks Ryan. <laughs> this is Ryan. You have a beautiful smile. Thank you. Um, I know a girl named Portia. <laughs> Do you? Her stripper name is Jill. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, well, I said jokingly before that you were the Dutch David Letterman, but that's not even a little bit of a joke. I was. It's totally true. I was. Um, can you start with maybe w- how or why you got into comedy? And I would love to progress into some of these. Well, I mean, that that's I a long. I mean, sh- I mean, my father loved stand-up comedy. How so? He loved Richard Pryor. Okay. Uh, he had uh, Pryor and Bob Newhart. My dad had great their stuff. records, and I grew up with the records. And my family's from Washington D.C. My uncle did. Open mic night uh, comedy for one year in 1978. My father took me to see him. I was 11 years old. The entrance was next to the stage. The show was in progress. I was wearing a Washington Redskins jacket. I'm 11 years old. The comedian pulled me on stage and interviewed me like I was the coach (laughs) of the Redskins. And I was bashful and gave dopey little kid one word answers. Yes, no. But I'll never forget standing on that stage and seeing all those happy people with their heads thrown back in laughter and all the teeth in their mouth 
And I'm sure the memory has been romanticized, uh, but in my mind it was, you know, black people, Asian people, Hispanic people, white people. It was like when you were on that stage, you were talking to the world. So that moment changed my life. From that moment forward, I never wanted to do anything else. 11 uh, years old, you said? Yeah. So I started, became a student of stand-up comedy, and SNL was brand new. Johnny Carson was my god. Loved Carson. I, anytime I would circle in the uh, TV guides when, whenever there'd be like a comedian on Mike Douglas. And then like, I guess it was like probably my freshman year of high school, maybe when Letterman came on. Maybe he came on when I was in middle school. But then like, and then like Carson and Letterman back to back was just like, uh, for a comedy nerd was just, you know, it was. I, you got I, the talk show and then the non-talk show, right? It was amazing, but for like a stand-up lover, you know, because like Letterman had on uh, alternative, you know, uh, subversive acts. Like I remember, you know, who I'm friends with now, Emo Phillips and Judy Tenuta and all. Remember the? I remember all those shows. And um, um, Kevin Meany. Sure. All these like just wacky different kind of comedians. So I um, remember Kevin Meany on the early days there. That's awesome. It was my, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, that was... That's not right, right, Kevin Meany? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, We're big pants people, or what was his... (laughs) I loved Kevin Meany, yeah. What are you, hopped up on goofballs? Yeah, that's it. My dad used to always say, my dad thought that was hilarious. Yeah, and also, my my father drove me to my first open mic night. We watched all the HBO comedy hour specials. Um, So, I mean, it was my, my father's the reason I fell in love with comedy, and... Uh, he's dead now, but like all throughout my career, I, I'm from, I, uh, my family moved to Orlando, Florida when I was 12, Oviedo, Florida, to be precise. Uh, and that's where I started. So I started on the Southern circuits, played every shithole in the Southern United States. It ends in Ville or Burrow <laughs> everywhere in the late, in the middle to late eighties, there was a, a weekend comedy gig in every holiday and lounge. Mm-hmm. And, um, it bananas up in my part of the town. Poughkeepsie, New York. Oh, okay. We had bananas. It was at the yeah. Holiday Inn, though. Ah, there you go. So, uh, yeah, my dad would turn up in, you know, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. This was before internet. I'd leave in my schedule and, you know, oh, my God, I'm in Troy, Alabama, and my dad just walked in. That's so cool. You know? Uh, then when I had my sitcom on NBC, I filmed it at Universal. Mr. Rhodes. My dad lived in, um, in L.A. at the time, and he sat in the front row for every taping. Oh, man. So, you know. Had a nice... Uh, That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, and then my father fought in Vietnam. He flew helicopters. So when I was like the face of Comedy Central, they gave... I was the first comedian ever to have a development deal with the network. And um, I... Bill Clinton had lifted the travel ban for Americans that travel to Vietnam. And I made an hour special called Viva Vietnam, where I, <laughs> where I went to Vietnam. And uh, and just started some shit. What? Just well, uh, the I went there to have fun for the guys who didn't get to have fun. Okay. And there was a lot of we did the Jane Fonda workout tape in Hanoi um, with some old women that did Tai Chi in a park around. And we filmed that in September '94 because it came on April '95 for the 20th anniversary of the end of the Vietnam War. Okay. So 1994 technology, we had to like we had a, a TV and a VCR, <laughs> and we had to run like you know. 10 extension cords connected, you know, like two blocks to like a plug to even pull off this shot. Um, I brought Rock'em Sock'em Robots and I fought people wherever I went. Remember that? That ended up just being like a little piece of the the special, but I had envisioned that like I'd be, that that would be 
throughout the whole thing. But, hmm. you know, so anyway, I got to honor my dad. That's what I'm taking from this. You don't know anything about me, but uh, the only reason I'm in all this stuff was my dad as well. And I grew up in the same area where he used to go to the Ed Sullivan Theater to watch the Jackie Gleason show get taped on Saturday nights wow. when he was a kid. Uh, turned into the Honeymooners, obviously. Um, and so that was always my fundamental as well, from Abbott Costello to the guys you mentioned as well. Uh, my dad died when I was young mm. and never got to see me do anything with it other than a little rinky-dink high school show. You know what I mean? Right. So what, sets, what, what really resonated with me there was you got to do all this stuff that he helped put you on that trajectory, and then he got to see it. That, to me, is really a cool gift. And I don't even know if you realize it, but just from the other paradigm over here. Well, like, that's wow, nice that's that you really point that out. Cool. I mean, I was really lucky. I mean, I I loved my dad. I mean, my parents were divorced. You know, he had problems. Uh, he had his own personal issues, but, um, you know, um, heavy drinker. But I always had a great time with the guy. And uh, he was super charming and super funny. Yeah. And I get my best qualities from the guy. Did so. he want to do that in any way, shape, or form? No, think? I mean, that wasn't even an option. You, of course you know? not. And then, if, uh, if in his mind, and then he it. had kids and a family, but like he just always, just stand-up comedy was always very respected and revered in my family. Even at like family reunions, I remember everybody had specific like favorite comedians. I mean, the older, pe- older people would tell you why Benny, um, uh, Benny Youngman was, was brilliant. And I always thought he was... You Henny know, Youngman. Henny Youngman. Benny Goodman. Henny Youngman, thank you. <laughs> um, you know, hey, and, and I, I remember, because I, I started when I was 17, I remember like just talking big shit at family reunions, like 18, 19. I thought Sam Kinison was, you know, amazing. I mean, like when I... I mean, he was, right? Especially when I was 18 or 19. <laughs> yeah, but well, I think <laughs> maybe like, I, was like, I was like 15, 16, Rodney Dangerfield was my god. Okay. I had memorized every, every Dangerfield line. Was this the I Got No Respect or Where Are We in His... His whole thing. I just, I loved Rodney. Okay. I still love Rodney. Um, but, and then, yeah, I remember people telling me, well, you know, Henny Youngman uh, was brilliant and why and different. Sort yeah. of the generation before, right? And uh, you brought up Jackie Gleason. Uh, here's an observation for you. On the honeymooners, his catchphrase was, one of these days, Alice, pow, right to the moon. Right in the kisser, mm. or to the moon. Yeah. Like, there's, however There are went. variances of it, yep. And then, later in his career, he uh, did those, like, three or four uh, Smokey and the Bandit movies. Yeah. And he was with his stupid son. Sheriff was his, He's the sheriff, the son's the deputy, and he would say Don't to his... Don't leave me, Daddy. Who's going to hold your hat? He would say to his dumb son... Junior, when I get home, I'm going to punch your mama right in the mouth. That guy's career was built on threatening violence to women. His wife, yeah. (laughs) Which, you know, in the 50s and the 70s, apparently was very funny in America. Because that guy was... He was so funny. He was like one of the biggest stars. The more exasperated On American television. The better it got for me. The more exasperated Ralph Cramden gets, the better the show is for me. Evolution of... Thought and how we express ourselves, I think. If I rec- that comes down to. If I recall in the Smoking the Bandit movie, it was because there was such a uh, differentiation between the intelligence of the two guys. He said, There ain't no way you came from my loins. And that was the reason for that. Yeah. I think Alice was just uh, always trying to help. But I mean, his wife's infidelity still would be no reason to. To strike her, he should he should, <laughs> no, he, should exam- okay. he should examine his own faults. He should ex- okay. he should have examined his own faults to wonder why his wife would have to seek, uh, you know, uh, affection and 
uh, you know, in outside the relationship. For the record, no lady remembers that she had any kind of affair. We just remember the violence and the implications. I would like to say how well adjusted you must be as a person to yeah. have rounded that out in that way and said, "Oh boy, if only he looked within." <laughs> that it wouldn't have been a good show, The Honeymooners, if he just stopped and went. Norton, you know, come down here. Alice, talk to you for I realize I've been a coarse individual. I've driven you away from the home, and I apologize. I'm going to quit my job at the bus station, and uh, I'm going to spend more time at home. Thursday. Maybe we can do pottery together. Let's save this marriage. Was, was Jackie Gleason anything for you? I mean, did you? Ah, yeah. I, I mean, I, yeah. I, 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 my family, um, I am related to some Ryans, by the way. Oh, yeah? <clears throat> uh, I grew up in Orlando, and they're from uh, Delray Beach. Oh. And um, my uncle Ronnie, who's now deceased, uh, I always thought he resembled Jackie Gleason. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. And he was a cop. And then his son... Ronnie Jr., who's my age, used to be a cop in South Florida. Uh, like the way my dream <clears throat> was to be a comedian, his dream was to be a cop because his dad was was a cop. So I'm glad uh, what I got the comedy uh, dream. <laughs> what incarnation of Jackie Gleason would he have resembled? Like Ralph Cramden? Uh, uh, Ralph, Cramden. Okay. Ralph Cramden. Yeah. Man, I, lo- I can't believe you brought up the Smokey and the Bandit movies. It's a very easy jump to make, but I just, I, th- my dad made me watch. Not just an observation I've been Love carrying it. around, and I haven't been able to share it with anybody. So, oh, I feel like it was already worked out. <laughs> it's, the, it's the best that ever came out. How did Comedy Central come into your life? I know how it came into my life. I found it doing <clears throat> Saturday Night Live reruns in the middle of uh, after school when uh, when there was nothing but educational program on. So wow. I, I I was very quickly uh, um, uh, magnetized to it. Who is the cast for that? No, no, they were the reruns. It that's a that's a by the way to get to Comedy Central when it was new. That's what they had on at the time. How did you get involved with Comedy Central, especially when Comedy Central was brand new? Brand new. Yeah, well, <clears throat> I started out in Orlando doing um, comedy and then started on the Southern Circuits uh, when I was 17. <clears throat> when I was 20 years old, I moved to New York City. I wasn't ready. Uh, couldn't get on at the good clubs. I was broke, and uh, it, was, uh, it was a rough re- year. I moved back to Florida for a year to lift my wounds, and I really started to figure out, you know, I, I needed to do... I, 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 you know, all I cared about was comedy. Even today, I've let all my relationships, everything fall apart. <laughs> everything I've ever, every move I've ever made in my life was to make myself better as a comedian. Yeah. And I always thought, I had this, I read Jack Kerouac's On the Road in high school. So I had this real romantic thing about San Francisco and I love Mark Twain. Uh, I think Mark Twain invented stand-up comedy in San Francisco. I think it's October 4th, 1866. Uh, it, <clears throat> it, the, 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 the day might be off, but it was October 1866 when Mark Twain gave the first uh, lecture on the Sandwich Islands, which we now call Hawaii. It was very humorous. I think that um, is the birth of stand-up comedy. Hmm. He called it platform speaking, and he hated it. Uh, and then also, like all those like kind of subversive stand-up acts that were on Letterman, a lot of them came out of San Francisco. So I always thought like a higher intelligence of comedy came out of San Francisco. I didn't want to be on television or try and get a sitcom. Uh, and that's why I didn't move to L.A. I knew I needed, <clears throat> I knew I needed to go to like graduate school for, for comedy. So I moved to San Francisco. Um, and that's where things really, I started, that's where I got good as a comedian. 
um, you know, <clears throat> there was like four or five clubs in the city at the time. The Punchline. Um, it was a brilliant scene back then. Uh, Mark Marin lived there. Patton Oswald, Greg Proops, Margaret Cho. Uh, Dana Gould would be coming around. If, several years later, Mitch Hedberg came around. Uh, and just like this brilliant generation of, of comedians. And like we were all young comedians at that time and trying to impress each other with, uh, you know, uh, well-written jokes. And, and just, you know, it was, it was a very uh, pure, earnest time. So one of the shows, um, I think it was called Two Drink Minimum at the time. I think years later, it, uh, uh, that kind of show became Premium Blend, and I'm sure there's a version of it now. That, I think you're exactly right. They kind of <clears throat> used the set and everything, It's the right? same concept, yeah. uh, you, know, you know, hot young comedians doing like a 10-minute set. So I had grown my hair long. I was um, uh, young and skinny and sexy, and... Um, <laughs> I rocked the balls off the joint. The okay. the taping, the, you know, they had seen me. They had a <clears throat> audition at the Punchline in San Francisco where they were looking for, you know, um, acts. I was one of the ones chosen, and then I destroyed that set in New York. And they wanted they that they hired me to do every. They gave me the they gave me a development deal. That they was want, they be, wanted to hold on to me. That was going to be my question. Did they know what they were auditioning people for, or they just needed? No, the audition was face. for the the two drink minimum show. Oh, it was to host yeah. the show. Okay, but not you, to host it was it was a stand up show. Oh, just to be on the show, just to be. It was a it was a show of young business. comedians, and everybody's doing ten minute sets. I guess then, how did you then? I recall you being the face of the network in that you were the face between all the shows. Yeah, they, so I filmed. It was great. Dennis Leary had done these like um, think, things on MTV where they had filmed his jokes, like rock videos. I think you hear me knocking. I think <clears throat> I'm coming in. All that shit, right? So Comedy Central did it with me. I filmed. That was the first thing before the development deal. I did this. Um, they filmed like I th I think like six or eight of my jokes as little mini thirty second one minute. Mm -hmm kind of rock videos and, and they played them in between the commercials and those were so successful. Then they, they, they got me to do another batch, which was really exciting. And then those were great. And then they gave me the development deal. It's really funny. So what in my mind might have seemed like a big deal, it was only because I just saw the same shit over and over and over. And you probably spent one afternoon, you know, recording a bunch of these things or whatever. And I just happened to, as being an impressionable <clears throat> kid, saw them over and over and over. Yeah. Is that what's going on here? <laughs> they played them over and over and over. So, I mean, uh, it made me... Me and I'm like, this guy owns Comedy Central. What a cool guy. It gave, me, it gave me a following, you know, yeah. at the time. And then Good Comedy Central was, was really cool. So, like, you know, it would be cool. You know, it was like, you know, punk rock lesbians. And it was like kind of cool alternative um, people that I got as fans in that period. It was really great. Was Comedy Central the... F I recall a Comedy Channel, but it might have been the same thing and maybe it did. Was it was Comedy, Comedy Channel before it became Comedy Central. Apparently, there was it was like... Comedy Channel, Comedy Channel, and Comedy Central, or something like that. There was two. Yeah, well, that's what I. And like remember. the first year or some. This was before. Oh, correct. And then they merged to become one. Okay. Instead of battling it out, somebody you know uh, decided to merge, and that became Comedy Central. Okay. And then I guess it was that first year or two that um, you know they were um, trying to develop talent. 
Oh, my goodness. All right. Thank you, Richard Chasler. Will we run out of time? No, we're, we're plenty, but we have to take a quick break. <laughs> Late Night Place Hut will be back right after these quick words from Oh So Delicious Hot Sauce, the hot sauce made by bears. Oh, so delicious, it's a hot sauce made by bears. Garlic and serrano, mixed with love and care. You can put it on your eggs, pour it on your rice. It's great on a leg, it's better on a slice. It's oh, so delicious, it's a hot sauce made by bears. Oh, so delicious hot sauce, great on everything except oatmeal. Get your bottle today at ohsodelicious.org. One dollar from every bottle sold goes to the National Military Family Association. <laughs> I'm going I'm to thank your segment producer for that. Uh, all right, Comedy Central, there were two. Okay, that probably doesn't matter so much. Um, then what happened? Then what happened with your career? Then what happened? Where'd you go? Did you stay with Comedy Central for a while? Because how did we get across the country to you hosting a desk and chairs chat show? Well, I um, I did the the Viva Vietnam special, which was a nice little you know uh, kind of underground hit. I got some nice uh, reviews off of it. And uh, that came out April 95. In July 1995, I did the Montreal Just for Laughs Festival. And that's when NBC discovered me. Oh. And, uh, and actually, there was like, it was like NBC, Fox, and HBO. Yeah. <clears throat> um, it was like kind of a bidding war. <laughs> HBO was only offering a special. Fox a- actually offered me more money. But... I grew up worshiping American comedy, and for me, NBC was comedy. Johnny Carson, David Letterman, SNL, all these brilliant sitcoms that I grew up with. It was no choice. They could have been offering me $20. I would have gone with NBC. That's how much I loved them. You're not Uh, not alone. You know, in retrospect, I mean, like, you know, I I, like after because this... yeah, I, I got the sitcom made. Originally, I wanted to be a public defender lawyer, the voice of the voiceless. On the show. That was the premise that yes. I wanted to do. Uh, they said we had a lawyer show fail. Can you make Tom a teacher? And I thought, yeah, what the hell? It doesn't matter what the job is. I'm me. You know, you're young and you're – I was young and arrogant. Uh, <laughs> NBC apparently but has like one that, move. NBC has one <clears throat> move. Yeah. That year, there was only um, – that year, there was like four – other teacher shows came out on that same year. Head of the class is the only thing. No, no, no. Those were before. There was like Nick Frino and like oh, all these okay, other, okay. all these. It was like that. Like somebody had to have known. So I was like, fuck, I should have stuck with that original idea. Like Seinfeld wouldn't bend. You know, they, they were offering him a show for 20 years. And he was like, no, until, you know, he could do it the way he wanted to do it. And then, you know, I mean, the show was, the cast was amazing. Uh, after the first few episodes, like, the focus became on the kids, which drove me nuts. I felt like there's a straight man on my own show where I would just give advice and watch all the kids get all the funny stuff. But, um, you know, I, I thought for years, God, I wish I should have just stayed with Comedy Central. Mm-hmm. Because to be honest with you, I loved Comedy Central with all my heart. Uh, the, everyone that worked there, the executives, the people, they were, I mean, in the early days of Comedy Central. I don't, you know, it's, uh, uh, I, I get kind of treated as an old guy. I, they may, I don't, whatever. Uh, I, I still, Comedy Central's still been good to me. I still get, I still get on there once in a while. 
Um, was it Viacom back then? Back when you were, was it Viacom? I think Viacom MTV did own it. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, uh, I loved Comedy Central, and I felt like a junior filmmaker when I was there. If I had an idea, I mean, and they were really experimental in the beginning. Like, I mean, they're still experimental. They still do great stuff. Um, and 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 you know, I understand uh, you know their demographic, you know, but. Uh, you just, I, I just have a romantic vision of comedy in general that we're all one big family and uh, I loved Comedy Central and the fact that like I had came up with this idea to go to Vietnam and they were like yeah yeah, here's the cameras here's the money you go do that and um, you know the uh, that kind of support must be nice from a network especially yeah yeah, and I, uh, I, you know, I, I, I thought they were as enthusiastic about comedy as I was. So, and then when I got up into the, you know, the NBC thing, there was just so much, there's just so many crustaceans that are on you when you're, um, it's a pity, you know? Yeah. Your manager goes, okay, this, uh, these people are going to be your agents, and this is going to be your, uh, your, your money person. Oh, I need, um, I got to incorporate all these things, yeah. and it's like... Well, at Comedy Central, I just felt like an artist. I felt like a junior filmmaker. Oh, interesting. You know? Interesting. And you think it's still that way? Uh, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I... Yeah, I mean, they're still doing great shows. I, the, um, I, the Aquafina, I haven't seen it. But, like, you know, a show about a young Asian girl in Queens. I think um, that's great. I... Uh, you know, they were the first ones to put Bill Maher on the air. I'm trying to think of what, like, stuff they're doing uh, now, I you know? I remember that. I remember when Politically Correct was on Comedy Central. I mean, I thought that, that show changed things. That's then right. Then it went to the network. That's, that's when, that, I think it. that was kind of the it turning was, point yeah. of Comedy Central. Same, it yeah. was your story. He left to go to a network, and that killed it. Yeah. Hmm. I remember that. You're right. But, uh, the, you know, the com- in the Comedy Central years, too, <clears throat> like I said, I, I felt like I had a really cool audience from that because it was... Uh, you know, so, so like my, when I got the NBC sitcom, when I'd go out and do stand up, like then my audience went from like kind of, you know, um, different subversives, uh, to like couples in their thirties who oh. wanted to see the, the cute teacher guy, you know? Oh, interesting. So that was a, that well, was an interesting. Did you tailor your act at that point? Or no, did I didn't. You stay, you stay who you are. Yeah. I mean, I don't have it. No, I wouldn't know I which didn't. way to go. The advice seems like you should stay yourself. But oh I my mean, God! What you're drawing? He's out. not that guy with advice on the sh- <laughs> like he is on the show. Professional advice is different than personal advice in this situation. It sounds like you stayed true to your authentic self. I like it. How long did that show go on NBC? I made a full uh, 96 to 97. I, I did a full season. That's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. Um, pretty like good. a normal season's 21 episodes, I, but I think we did 20. We were like right under it, but. It, um, you know, it wasn't loudly canceled and trumpeted in Just the press, which, which happens a lot of times. And what's well, good? You want? I'm you... still really. I'm still good friends with Stephen Tobolowski. Um Ned Ryerson. I was good friends with uh, Ron Glass, who died a few years ago. Um, uh, the cast was absolutely brilliant. Wow, that's awesome. Did you have anything to do with casting? I mean, I, mean, I was in show. there. I, I, I never know. Listen, people. Well, have I mean, like a lot they, of, when it got down to the network twos. This is what I'm. Which is at. the most? And like you know, coming to your place, I you know, passed that black tower oh, in front of Universal. Universal. Yeah, that's where the executives are. <laughs> you know it. Now it's NBC <laughs> Universal has combined, but at the time they were separate companies. Yeah. 
Um, <clears throat> I wonder how much that would have helped things if they'd have been uh, merged at the time. But one of the most daunting things I've ever witnessed, and thank God I was the star of the show, when they got it down to the two final choices of every role, I'm up there, I would do the reads with the people, and there's this like seven, eight executives and, uh, and TV network um, people, uh, I mean from Universal and NBC, and the casting people, that's what I meant to say. Um, <laughs> and then they do the they do the audition and, you know, everybody, you know, well, what'd you think? Oh, I didn't like her hair and oh, they seemed a little nervous to me. And, you know, um, I, I, for an actor, I, I couldn't imagine what a mental fuck that is to, to get your game up in your brain, you know, like a um, just a... You got to hit it like an Olympic well, dive. You've been on auditions. I'm sure that you probably do know what that's like, right? You just didn't have to in this case because it was your show. No, audition. Like a lot of times, you go on auditions and there's like you're in the lobby with eight people. You know, mm -hmm. this is the final two. Oh, you're talking, yeah, yeah. And this is Studio like you know, sure. wow, this show might last a few years and I might never have to work again if I'm good on this one five minute yeah. little piece of my life no, you're and right. come the in smiling. My sister. Uh, who I was very close with, and she um, studied drama at Florida State University. I got her a job on my show, which she parlayed into a job at Universal after my sitcom finished. Smart girl. Um, my sister is now deceased. She died of breast cancer. But she worked for the... Uh, she was an assistant for the casting person at Universal for, for a few years. And her observation was the person, the actor has got the part. The one who gets the part is the one who got it before they walked in the room. Yep. Agreed. Totally agreed. That, like, you did... The, the, the person in... You know, they've... they've they, Don't they you made think that's the same for anything? Whether you're trying to get on SNL or you're trying to get on Carson in the old days or whatever? Yeah, but I mean... Yeah, I mean... But, you have you know, to know anybody. that it's your time. <laughs> I think for anybody... How about you when you got your sitcom? Didn't you feel like, all right, you know what? These lily pads have all lined up to this thing, and it all worked out. And this—I don't know what's going to happen from here, but I see the path that got us here. Wasn't that kind of an amazing? What was that ride like for you, having your own sitcom on NBC? Well, I mean, it was great. I lived in on top of the Hollywood Hills. I had a rock star apartment. I don't care it about was... that shit. What did it feel like inside for you? I felt like like king of the world until about halfway through the season. When I realized I wasn't going to be able to change it, well, right? Yeah. You know, but I was so arrogant. Um, I thought, well, I'll, I'll have another, I'll have another show. Right, I'll just do it again. I'll, I'll have another show next year, and I can mm -hmm. de develop it the way I want it. But you know, Ted right Williams, Ted Williams thought he was going to have more than one World Series. Also, you know, <laughs> now he's just a frozen, cracked head. I love Ted Williams. Watch it. <laughs> so do I. But isn't he just a frozen, cracked head someplace? You, now, you watch when they bring back. Oh, it's uh, going to happen when they. <laughs> And they can reattach dead heads to new living bodies. <clears throat> when I was a kid, I remember the whole thing. You know, he when, had passed when away Ted Williams is hosting this show, <laughs> and you didn't invest your money in freezing your head. <laughs> oh, it's such a great. But wasn't there a thing in the '90s or whatever? Oh yeah, we dropped the box and his head cracked or whatever. There was a whole thing. It was awful. You oh, didn't hear I, about no, this? I didn't know about that. <laughs> Perhaps they tried to hide that. Uh, <laughs> all right. How do we get to the Dutch David Letterman? And because that what here's what I remember about this show. I've only seen clips of it on YouTube. And I remember that it wasn't your name, but you, it was your name. It was, you know, the t tell us all about this show. Would you? 
Well, when my shit sitcom finished, I looked at the money I had as my NBC artist grant, and it was great. I, you know, I, I felt like I had reached the the top of Mount Olympus, uh, and I never wanted a sitcom. That wasn't my dream, and but I I got it. I tried my best, and you know, I never stopped doing stand up. And I looked at that money. I just wanted to reinvest in in myself. So I moved in back to New York City because I had lived there like a dog when I was 20. And I always swore to myself if I ever had any money, I'd live in New York City with style. So I got a rock star apartment in the Wall Street area, 98 to 2000. Uh, I was just like a few blocks from the World Trade Center. I was on the 18th floor. I had three marble balconies. Basically, I pissed away most of that sitcom money uh, on that New York rent and <laughs> flying back and forth to London. So Rich Hall is a good friend of mine who was over in with London. He Rich, thought Rich Hall, like famous Rich Hall, Sniglis used to Rich work Hall. on the Letterman he show. Was on, he was on he was on SNL as well. Yeah, yeah. He got a he got a daytime Emmy for the David Letterman show. Oh, I've stated his uh, his second home in Livingston, Montana. He worked on the daytime show. Too? He has a daytime Emmy from the Letterman. No kidding! Yeah. I didn't realize he was there that early. That's so cool. Yeah, Rich it was has him, been around him forever. and Merrill and uh, and uh, and Dave, I guess, right? Yeah. Cool. Sorry, uh, sorry for the sidebar. One of my uh, oldest best friends he went with me to v- to to vietnam i could okay. choose one writer to go with me and i chose rich hall and uh and he, you know he he took it for less money he just wanted to go and be a part of it <laughs> um so he helped me get in with london and uh once i cracked london i was going back and forth i was going you know i was going back and forth from new york to london and playing uh, uh london a lot and then that led to gigs around england and gigs around europe I played in Amsterdam. I fell in love with a Dutch girl. Uh, so I moved to Amsterdam in 2000, and I thought, well, I'm just going to focus on... Uh, well, I, I, was, I, was, I was still traveling all the time, back and forth to the States, and all the gigs around Europe, and, and I was partying really hard, especially in London. And um, me and the girl, the girl broke up with me. So I was about to move back to the United States when these people from this Dutch television network were looking for an American to host a late night talk show. And they had the uh, audition at Tumler, which is the best comedy club in Amsterdam. And I had just gotten back from Hong Kong and I had a, uh, for the first time in my life, a tailor's, a suit tailor made. So all the other comedians showed up like they were going to cut the grass. They're all wearing T-shirts and, you know, dirty tennis shoes and shit. And I, th- and I did have a great set that night. Uh, and, you know, and I'd lived in Amsterdam for a couple of years, so I had some really great observations. And, you know, some of the other people, you know, auditioned, like some English guys came over from England and then there were some Americans there. So I had a few advantages that I had a lot of observations on the Netherlands and the fact that I, I, I think I looked, I showed up for the audition I guess the, it's true. You looked, you looked like nice. a host. You looked the part. I, I guess I made the decision before yeah, I got did. there. Oh, yeah. yeah, you did. Oh, look at this guy. So uh, well, I just had that realization talking to you. Yeah, I watched you. I never thought. Awesome. I never thought that before. Um, There's something to be said about being ready. Yeah. So I, uh, I got to stay. It's one of the one of the greatest things that ever happened in my life. You know, you were asking me like, how did you feel when you got up to that sitcom in that path? That wasn't the one. I mean, this. 
who could ever even imagine that my life story would involve I'm from a a little town in Florida man and that to have the life that I've had to have lived in New York City a couple times and San Francisco this is my third time living in LA but I uh I got to do this late night talk show for 2 years <clears throat> and as a guy who grew up like a lot of the interviews I would do, they, they you know, a lot of the Dutch interviews I like to get sassy with you. And so, what do you think? Um, uh, that you, how do you feel that you're basically copying David Letterman? Oh, and I said, well, what you have wrong is I'm copying Johnny Carson, uh. is who David Letterman was also copying, and Johnny Carson was my god. And then to be the guy coming out from behind the big curtain in the $2,000 suit and you come out and stand on the X and you do your five-minute monologue and then, like, walk over to the desk. I had a musical sidekick, E-Life, the highest-selling hip-hop recording artist in the Netherlands at the time. So uh, he was this really, you know, street-cred, cool uh, (laughs) black dude from Rotterdam. And so, like, I'd sit down and we'd banter. And then you do a skit. I'd always do a man on the street skit that we had previously filmed, but they'd film me running out a side door and then play the thing. Sure, sure. But, but the main thing about one. the show was I was a foreigner experiencing Dutch culture. So every episode, there'd be a five minute film where I would experience Dutch culture. Like I spent a day with a Dutch farmer uh, and I wore the wooden shoes and helped him. And I walked into an electric fence. He said, Look out for the electric fence in Dutch, but I don't speak Dutch. <laughs> Uh, there was a lot of really funny moments like that. <clears throat> um, and then, uh, you know, I, uh, I was given a tour of the, the red light district by a former prostitute who, uh, helps, uh, the women do their taxes and healthcare. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, the, the, the drug tolerant laws were explained to me. Every aspect of Dutch, Dutch society was explained to me. Which was really, I had this magical passport to the Netherlands. Mm. I even got to cover the prime minister debates. It's amazing. With a press badge. I'm down there asking their, their, their most important political people questions. And um, the first season they had a thing where it was the word of the day. And it was kind of gratuitous um, tits and ass where a girl in a bikini would come out with a Dutch word. But... It was kind of beautiful. The audience would explain to me how to say it and what it meant. And then Dutch people are very stoic people. They're not, they're not like Americans who will tell you their whole life story in the first two minutes. You, <laughs> you really got to know a Dutch person for them to open up. I had this magic passport to the Netherlands where um, I'd go around the country and someone would say, um, you know, uh, they'd tell me a Dutch word. I'd be buying a pack of cigarettes and they'd tell me a Dutch word and then the guy would go, and that's your word of the day. So they're getting it. They're yeah, and then it. like, and I'd go around to these, we'd, we filmed all over the country. We did all these great things. I got to experience so many things that even Dutch people wouldn't get to experience, you know? They'd just experience so Being much. outside or inside. Like just things in Holland and Dutch society and doing, um, you know, one day I spent with a... Uh, the guy on the trains who, who serves the coffee to the people. And he was just this immigrant guy. It was super friendly. And that's where I learned Ben which is, are you happy? And like, you don't ask The coffee it, guy would check in with people? He'd ask people. And that's like, to ask someone in Holland if you're very happy is a very personal question. Because they don't open up. They don't open up. Hmm. And um, anyway... All their biggest stars could come on and be interviewed. We had Steve-O from Jackass when the Jackass show was on. Yeah. And he stapled his balls on to his leg. 
Uh, you I can, remember that clip. There's no censorship on Dutch television. You can show anything. You can say anything. The only censorship is you can't endorse products. I oh. could say I liked beer. I couldn't say I liked Heineken because that's endorsing a specific brand. So it's the exact opposite of the United States where our whole system is endorsing brands and you can't say all kinds of things and you can't show all kinds of things. So if that was not fortuitous enough... I did three seasons, which was two years. Uh, when that ended, the same network let me be a presenter on a travel show. Oh. So and I got to do a highlight on St. Petersburg, Russia, uh, Peru, the Champagne region of France. I had I, I, that little country of the Netherlands uh, was was very, very good to me. And most importantly, it helped me build my confidence back up after um, the the sitcom. Yeah. Because I kind of, I, uh, I don't know, it, uh, you know, I, I felt it was weird after the sitcom. So the sitcom one, you not having all those feels makes perfect sense. And I'm kind of surprised it went a whole season. Was the talk show in, in the Netherlands, did you get, I mean, you kind of alluded to it before, but did you, did that give you the feels of like, oh, this is the, this is I had total to freedom. It this was the exact opposite of do. the sitcom experience, which is funny because they named the show before they found the host. So the show was called Kevin Masters Late Night, and I would never answer to Kevin. If a guest called me Kevin, I'd say my name is Tom. And I and I actually fought it up to the end with the woman who put me on television uh, in, in the Netherlands. I said, my name is very important to me. I have to be Tom Rhodes. I've spent my life establishing it. And then finally at the end, I mean, after we went back and forth for, for weeks, she said, we'll find someone else. And I said, okay, I'm Kevin Masters. But I had him... Because every interview, they couldn't understand it either. The second season, it became Kevin Masters starring Tom Rhodes. That's what I was going to say. That's what I remembered seeing that graphic. Yeah. So that that, that, so that was because intended, that wasn't intended originally. That's funny. No, and that's because all of the magazines and newspaper interviews were all like, "Who's fucking Kevin?" Yeah. They didn't understand <laughs> it either. Right. Your name's not Kevin. No, my name's Tom Rhodes. I'm funny. from Avila, Florida. That's kind of funny. an awesome happy accident. <clears throat> Yeah, so I mean it, but what do you mean I, you're not Dutch. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> you know, I got to be on. You know, it didn't pay like American television, but it paid very nicely, and I got to live in a rock star apartment uh, in the center of Amsterdam, and like I, I was single, and like man, I was oh my god, ecstasy in the early two thousands was so pure. <laughs> I, uh, I really had a, I was dancing, and you know, what was it's it? a little town. It's like New York City if it was a village, Amsterdam. Because you have people from every corner of the globe there. Did you feel that way before you started to host a travel show? What's that? Did you feel this way about Amsterdam before you hosted a travel show and then started looking at all these things in places? I fell head over heels in love with Amsterdam. The first, only time but I ever I had that. that was because of the girl. <clears throat> yeah. And also um, Amsterdam. And the place. Okay. Yeah. Right. I, 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 it's, uh, you know, I haven't been there in a few years. I'm going back in June. I think it's been like... I married a woman from Rotterdam. We just got divorced last year, but we're still good friends. But uh, I just think, you know, uh, I know that they have their own problems, but I, I really, really loved the Netherlands and the way they, they do things, you know? I, have, I know one guy there, and he's been very, very solid. I sold him a DeLorean. How's that? There you go. Cool. Um, the Johnny of it all. What the Johnny was, of it all? Yeah, Johnny Carson of it all. You oh, see, yeah. I, I mean, I'm clearly... Yeah, yeah, yeah. One, that's one of his microphones from the New York show behind oh, wow. actually up there. Wow, the New York show. From the old days, yeah. Wow. I love the Life magazine interview with him where he's like, he's dying in Dallas. He's already a star on the New York show. 
but he's playing to conservative audiences and they thought he was like edgy this life magazine thing and johnny carson's talking about playing to conservative uptight people mm. in dallas if you remember that life magazine oh. uh profile no, on i'm him. gonna have to go find it yeah now. it's brilliant wow and it's like he's like two or three years into the show and you think just as a comedian on comedian level you think oh man you he was you wouldn't, wouldn't think he'd have to deal with that yeah Especially after, I mean, three years, he had already developed a rhythm. They had a show at that point. Yeah. Hmm. Do uh, you, you weren't alive. No, you weren't alive for any of that shit. But you know about all, like, no, Jack but Bar, I mean, Jack yeah, and, uh, Jack Parr and, and all that. No, it's my family or. See, me too. Uh, all, it's in your DNA, right? Yeah, every, every, it's, you know, there's nothing more important to me than the history of comedy and, um, and, and well, creating comedy and being a part of it, you know? What are you doing now? I know you're doing dates, and I know you're performing. Um, else, I came out with a brand new album, day? so I've been doing the international circuits for 20 years. Here, I brought you a copy of my brand new album. This is the digital download. Wow! All right, <laughs> thank you. Uh, <clears throat> so it, it took me two oh, years to record it. Um, it's it's called Around the World. It's three hours long. There's 40 tracks, and I recorded it in 24 cities around the world. It starts in it starts in Paris, and it ends in Jerusalem. And it's all mostly jokes and stories about each place. Uh, last year when I was going through my divorce, I did a tour of Israel. Uh, I had never been there before. And I took my, flew in a week early, and I took my 80-year-old Jesus freak mother to Jerusalem. Wow. Yeah. I've go? had an amazing life. So, um, so it's all mostly jokes and stories about, about those places. I got, you know, it's Amsterdam, London, Dublin, um, Oslo, Berlin, uh, Bangkok, Beijing, Sydney. Uh, I got two Mongolia tracks. This is amazing. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's only, it's only, uh, what, it's like $15 on iTunes. Uh, however long ago this was that you were doing the travel show, obviously you're a comedian, you've got that brain. Uh, while you were doing a travel, was the travel show even funny? Was it supposed to be funny? No, it was more like a, <clears throat> I could be funny. I had right. moments, but like there was certain information that had to be conveyed, mm -hmm. you know? And that's the thing when you do a travel show, you walk on the most beautiful beach in the world. And it's like, this, if you come to Aruba, is like the most popular beach. And then you got to get into the van and drive to the next spot. Yeah. So there was... Um, I guess what the question is, to do something like this, to travel that many places and to come up with this creatively, were you... This is where I'm coming with the comedian brain, where you're always collecting. Were you just sponging all that shit up while you're working for somebody else doing travel about this beach and that beach and this whatever? Are you also just sucking all this up to later do material or or even write it then? Yeah, I mean, of course. I mean, and that's why I've I've moved all these different places. And uh, you know, to be a, a great comedian, you have to have experiences to talk about. Um, I wherever I've gone. I mean, and that was the thing. I mean, Dutch people do things, they want to do things in the smartest possible way. And like, it's a small country. You look at everything and there's like smart use of small space. And, you know, um, I would, like, and I still do it. When I go places, there's things I'm into that I, I'll read all about, you know? Like, uh, like weird stuff? I'm like, the French Revolution is one of my historical obsessions. I'm halfway through the biography of Napoleon right now. He's just someone oh, cool. I found interesting. Yeah. Last year, I, I did a tour of England, and I brought all these Lord Byron biographies. I've never knew, really knew about him. I knew he was king of the romantic poets. So it depends. Do you like history in general, then? It I seems, love history. Um, you're always learning. 
I'm always learning. It really it turns me on. If you come to my living room, uh, I've got like 5,000 books in my living room. I've just, um, you know, reading and knowing shit is my jam. Nice. And, uh, and traveling. So, you know, and this, this, this new album is basically the fruit of 20 years of doing the international circuits and material I've developed. Um, the first love of my adult life when I lived in San Francisco, I lived there with a Parisian woman. So um, I got a long history with Paris, <laughs> a lot of material there from living in Amsterdam, London, um, you know. If you could pick any of the places you've been to, to actually set up a shop and, and live. Where Paris, I love Paris. Paris, yeah. Of all the love. places. Yeah, I mean, Amsterdam's amazing, um, but, but uh, yeah, I just, uh, I, I love Paris. Awesome. I'm a Francophile. That's like a pedophile, but for French people. <laughs> but hey, I should tell you, you know, for the last 10 years, I was trying to make a show. My dream show that I've always wanted to make. Now it, we're getting to it. Okay. Is I wanted to be the Anthony Bourdain of comedy. Bourdain is one of my heroes. I think that show is one of the greatest shows ever made. Yep. And especially the things he, you know, his narrative, I think, is what, what made it brilliant. And his compassion and his outlook on the world. So, you know, I, I even, I, uh, I, I pitched it about five or six years ago. It didn't get bites. And then about two or three years ago, I pitched it to Comedy Central, the Travel Channel, and CNN, and Netflix. Uh, Netflix, a year later, came out with the world of comedians. Just, they got all these comedians from around the world. Yeah. I guess they figured, why do we need a host? Right. Um, Comedy Central, I came very close. Uh, it, with, it was the greatest pitch of my life, and I even had formats and example episodes built out. And I'm great friends with famous comedians from every country. You know, um, and uh, anyway, they, they rejected it. So, well, so far. So far, I don't, you know, I don't know uh, <laughs> what I would have to do to... To make this show, and then now it seems like oh, the, you, now the world what you is. Were doing, but you're not. You you're not working on that anymore. Well, uh, I'm uh, I'm almost you finished it was with your dream show. How do you get rid of your dream show? I'm <laughs> I'm almost finished with a book about all my uh, greatest stories traveling the world, uh, almost drowning in Thailand, getting maced in Paris, bringing my Jesus freak mother to Jerusalem. Um, you know, the world is turning in on itself. Everybody is being inclusive and protecting. They're pulling up their drawbridges and putting... All over the place. So, uh, you know, three years ago when I was pitching the show, the world was a different place. So you ask me, why would I give up on this idea? Um, there used to be a great scene in China. China has killed all the English language stand-up comedy scenes. Oh, I see. So, basically, so a lot of things have changed. Yeah. There was... I mean, there still are great comedy scenes all over Asia. When I first started doing them 20 years ago, it was just like they'd bring in comedians from England. And then all the Singapore, Beijing, Kuala Lumpur, Hanoi, all these places have their own comedy scenes now. And there's great comedians. There's, you know, like I might be an old white guy, but not all my friends aren't. Yeah. I know, uh, you know, um, uh, transgender people in different countries or, you know, you, or, 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 you know, uh, people of every ethnicity from every country, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, well, I guess my point is, <clears throat> I don't actually believe that, that the world is less funny. I think it, the funny it's not less moved, funny. It's less welcoming around. of, uh, a global outlook. Could be. Is what yeah. I think. 
that could be very true. I think. I think. I, I mean, I think they're it, very, very especially much in our own country, which is where uh, people make shows. You know, I think the global outlook is actually being pushed upon us, but it's uh, there, there's its own agenda. Your agenda probably won't penetrate. I'd probably have a better chance of making the show with in with Holland Dutch people. Well, because they're what's wrong with world that? not a thing. Because you have a history there too. I I'm a big fan. I would have walked out of that comedy center. I, I started this network. Who do you think you are? <laughs> No, I don't know. I think a lot of people who work for for Comedy Central don't even remember. That's funny. Um, all right, what didn't we mention? What haven't we gotten to? I'm a Capricorn. My favorite okay. color is blue. Blue. Um, my wife and I got divorced, but we're still very good friends. Well, I knew about that. We got we covered that. Actually. And uh, <laughs> it is possible to end a relationship in love the way you started it. And um, I play everywhere. I'm uh, I'm going to um, Portland, Oregon next week. Where? A comedy club called Harvey's. There we go. Harvey's yeah. up in Portland. Yeah. All right. When does this air? Today? Tonight. Yeah. Oh, okay, fantastic. Tonight. Just like a proper TV talk show should. <laughs> yeah, I got dates <laughs> in... Uh, I'm going to Florida soon. I'm going to Key West uh, last week of March, doing gigs, and then I'm doing gigs in South Florida. I haven't been there in probably about five years. You don't have to answer this or not, but do you drink? Do you I drink? stopped drinking six years ago when I got this scar. Oh, wow. Yeah, oh, I didn't my. notice the scar, but good for you. We don't drink either, but I was just curious. Keep yeah, I used to be a heavy partier, man, and I was like, "Give me the drugs." And um, and I, uh, after the death of my father and my sister, I uh, really had stopped drinking for pleasure, and I really started to look like shit. Um, and I used to, I, I used to be a fairly decent looking guy, and I uh, like when Facebook. Memories pop up from like six, seven years oh, ago. That's, that's, oh, that's disastrous God, for I, everybody. That's I, the I, worst terrible. thing ever. So um, I haven't drank or done hard drugs in six years. And the way I used to feel about cocaine is how I now feel about donuts. I mean, I won't go out chasing after it. But if a friend's got a bag, I'll have a taste. <laughs> With it. Buy my oh, album. No. Come see me live. Yeah, as much as I've done in my career, I don't have um, that many followers. Like TomRhodes.net. TomRhodes.net. I'm at underscore Tom Rhodes on uh, Instagram. Uh, I don't fuck with Twitter too much because it's the hate faucet. But yeah, everywhere, everywhere else, uh, you can find me. Uh, let's see. We have a, a new segment here. We call Final Word. Final thoughts. That's what's called. Final thoughts. If there's anything you would like to share with, uh, I guess we said to keep up with you, but if you have any thoughts for uh, followers out there or anybody else, if you have a message out there for the world at all, this is your opportunity. That's funny because I always end my podcast uh, with a question like that. And then um, you just hit me with it. <laughs> That's how it always works. Um, we gotta talk know, about I mean, don't podcast. be a dick. That was Jesus' ah, whole message. Bravo. Don't be a dick. Uh, read... Read Voltaire, um, uh, read Henry Miller, uh, the Rosie Cruz, the 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 Rosie Crucifixion trilogy, Nexus, Plexus, and Sexus. Uh, read Rumi, read Hafiz. Um, these were Sufi mystic poets, and uh, it was all about love, laughter, and dancing, especially Hafiz. There's a book of his I love called "I Heard God Laughing," and. Um, uh, I have a podcast called Tom Rhodes uh, Smart Camp, and uh, the next episode is going to be on Hattie McDaniel, which I'm going to record later. She won. She was the first black in, uh, actor to win the Academy Award. Oh, cool. Uh, she was. Um, people thought it, it, she got shit 
from the NAACP, all kinds of people throughout her career. She's a great woman. She struggled. She wanted to be buried in. They wouldn't even let her in the room in the building when she won the Oscar. Uh, David Oselznik had to get her into the room as a favor. She wins it. Her Oscar acceptance speech was like 43 seconds long. And then there was a thing where she wanted to buy a house in a white neighborhood. She had to go to court to make it happen. And then even in death, she wanted to be buried in the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. And they wouldn't allow it because they didn't allow non-whites. So like her whole life, she's a very heroic character. So I enjoy knowing shit, and I try and share that with people on my podcast and in my comedy. Expanding horizons. Enriching the world with wisdom and laughter. You've been doing your podcast a very long time. Ten years. Since, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Since they started, pretty much, podcast. Yeah. Uh, oh, that was you. That's funny. I was like, is there a cat in here? What the hell yeah. is that noise? Uh, okay. All right. Are we good? Did we get to it all? Did we do everything? Are we good? Uh, Mark Marin is all I can think of. Otherwise, he had a podcast. Did he come after you or before you? Uh, actually, Mark was before me, and he was the reason why um, uh, I, 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 I got it going. I thought it was, uh, you know, I, 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 he popularized the medium. And I knew Mark from back in the San Francisco stand-up comedy days, you okay. know. And, um, you know, I mean, I think podcasts are the greatest thing to happen to stand-up comedy since Amplified Sound. I love you know? that you know that. Yeah, I mean, like, and you don't need a gatekeeper of a network to give you the approval to do your own show. It's like, and like even putting out albums now, it's great. You can do things on your own and um, and own it even if it doesn't make any money. It's yours and you made it. Yeah. You know, and you did creating it. things is what makes me happy. So it's great that, um, you know, there's less obstacles now. I love it. I love it. How do you feel about this? You okay with it? I feel really good about it. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. It was really fun talking to you. Thank yeah, you so much for being too, so Jay. open Thank and you. so sharing. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Yeah. I, I like what you've done. Uh, you have to come over to my house sometime. And, sure. Uh, uh, check out my what books. What famous TV set do you have? I don't have one. I just have... <laughs> We'll I read got, some books. I got 5,000 books you can... Did, you, did they tell... This is the real David Letterman set. I was told. Knew that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. That's funny. How All did right. you get it? Oh, you'll tell me I'll later. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Uh, that's it. We're done. We did it. All right. Mm-hmm. It's Lit Week, everybody. Mrs. Yay. Ryan, I love you so very much. Love you too. Tom Rhodes, we love you so very much. I love you guys. Shalom, amigo. E, amiga. <laughs> we love everybody Thank at you. home. Please have a great weekend. We will see you out there tomorrow. Sierra Madre, Breakfast Club on Friday. So many open houses and all of the lit events. Uh, see you out there. Have a great weekend. <laughs>